0: Hey, Fathom fam. Welcome to our weekly Sunday sermon podcast. We want to remind you if you haven't yet, go ahead and download our church center app. We've got lots of awesome events coming up and we don't want you to miss a thing. You can also keep tabs on us over on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page and our Fathom fam Facebook group. We're going to link all those resources in the show notes and we hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message.
1: Hey, good morning. So good to be with you today, um, man. I tell you, every time I come to Fathom Church, always new faces, always new people plugged in, doing things, and uh, couldn't be any prouder of to the worship today. Can we give a awesome celebration to the worship team today? Great job! And uh, you know, I was thinking about when Kyle was introduced me. Pastor Kyle was introduced me today, thinking not every dad, not every has a father been there the whole time, you know, and so I think that is a, a thing for all of us fathers and dads to realize that our kids are watching us no matter where we are and what we do in life, and, um, and it's important that we, that we leave a legacy and we leave an example for them, and, you know, I want to honor, you know, you guys are coming up on 10-year anniversary of Fathom, and I have to admit, in the early days, I was so concerned, I mean, so many times I wanted to get in my car and I wanted to drive up to Jacksonville. What do you need? What can we do? And number one, they didn't need my help. Number two, uh, it was not their issue. It was my issue because parents, right? <laughs> we just don't want to see our kids have to go through. But, you know, when you see what comes, take, takes place after 10 years of being faithful, you get this. And... Uh, I'm going to keep moving. Because, <laughs> as you know, as a parent, it gets emotional. But so, so proud of Pastor Colin Taren and, and the work that they're doing here. And what I see sitting out here is just a representation of who they are and what they do. I feel so welcome when I come here. And, um, you know, I, I have also been following along reading the book of Acts as well as each one of you have. And I, I haven't gotten all the way through yet because I got stuck. I got stuck. In chapter two, and I kept having to go back because I kept seeing Fathom Church in that. And uh, as I was going through reading in the second chapter, you know, the, the first part of the chapter, um, it kind of starts off with the with the beginning of the church when they were filled with the Spirit, and and then the controversy began to take place. And with the controversy, Peter stands up with the representation of the apostles, and he begins to try to bring reason to the chaos that seemed to me had been going on at that point. And Peter then goes and he he begins to talk about Joel chapter 2, about the prophecy that said, this is how the church is going to be established. And I'm going I'm to give the young men dreams, uh, the old men dreams, and I'm going to give the young men visions. And 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 there's going to be things that are going to take place. It's going to manifest itself in being the church. And I've been captivated when when Pastor Kyle called it, he said, you know, I want you to really focus on what the everyday church must look like. And when you roll through chapter 2 and then you begin to read that whole first portion, and then you pick it up at verse 41, I want to just start there in the reading because I think it's very applicable to where we are today. Um, Acts 2, 41, it says, after Peter gave his message came back, and he says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So in just a very short period of time, they went from 120 to now 3,120 believers that were going crazy for Jesus, and that's a good thing. Um, But then you go into verse 42, and we get to have a chance to see What I say is the everyday growing church recipe. And I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of in a fast right now, and it's like everything, everywhere I turn, it's all about food. So we're having steak night on Friday. It's like, (laughs) man, I want to do that. But then I see the ladies are having desserts. I said, I want to do that even more. It's like, come on. Uh, And it's like, and then today I come up with this, and the recipe is like, okay, food. (laughs) The recipe, you're going to make something good, and I'm going to get to eat it. Uh, So anyway, God's going to honor all that. But so then you get to verse 42, and it begins to demonstrate what it takes to have a growing church that will be added to on a daily basis. And so let's look at that. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were there together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, let me just stop right there. We're not going there. When you leave today, we're not going to ask you to walk home and leave your car. But think about that for a moment of where the church was at that point. These people were so excited about what God was doing and what Jesus had left for them to do that they were lit, willing to literally sell everything and give it to those in need. So I have to admit, I became very concerned about that. And I know as you probably are, you're saying, "Say, do we really have to do that? Well, let me just tell you, that, that was a practice that they practiced for a while. And I remember the governmental situation was much different back then. There was a lot of dynamics in that day that brought this about they begin to realize that that was not the best thing for them. It wasn't the best thing for the church, and it wasn't the best thing for those that were in need. And so now you kind of see the model that it is transferred into benevolence in the church, and we help people, but they also have to help themselves, and you kind of walk through a process. And so just relax. You don't have to get up and leave. But I do want to say this. Um, Christmas, we got the kids pickleball. And if you haven't played pickleball yet, it is the fad that you're talking about. It is so fun. I had Beckett and Camden. I mean, I'm. I know you're thinking, how can this be? But I'm almost sixty, and Camden, is, Camden, you're eight, right, Bob? Nine. Oh, sorry, man. You're every bit of ten. But so, and, but here you got a guy that's nine years old and a guy that's pushing sixty that can compete on the same court and not one have to give in or compensate one way or the other, and we had us a ball. Well, I was teamed up with Beckett, and Camden was with his dad, Kyle, and uh, we were just playing back, and it was getting competition. It was going, but there would be times when it would be just over the line, and we would just say, play it, and then we got to where it did become, you know, dad's competitive even more, and I'm a really impe- competitive grandpa, and Beckett would say, no, Poppy it was out. I said, "Generosity always wins," and so it became our sale was generosity always wins. And we, the whole time we would give up more. And what would happen after that, Beckett? We would get the point. It would come back to us every time. And so I know this passage of scripture takes us on this thing from selling everything to giving everything away. But here's the bottom line: when we follow the covenant with God and we honor Him with our tithe and we are generous, we win. It wins every single time. So let's move on. You can relax with that part. You're not gonna be asked to do something crazy. Um, Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, if you'll recognize in verse 42, it's the breaking of bread, and you look in verse 46, there's a breaking of bread. In the context of scripture, those are all together but yet separate. In both the English and the Greek, The breaking of the bread is what we did just a few minutes ago in verse 42. What we're talking about in verse 46 is when we commune together with our families in the community, and we're bringing relationships stronger within the Lord. And I love it how they add to the the part, says glad and sincere hearts. And number 47, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to the number of those being saved. That is the most refreshing things as you walk through the book of Acts. You see that little statement made, and the Lord added to their number daily those that are being saved. Fathom Church is a representation of this recipe being played out before our very eyes and God adding to the church every single day those that are being saved. And so because I want to talk about food right now, <laughs> I want to give you the four recipes for the everyday growing church. The first one, uh, before I do that, let me say this. A summary of, as as you look at the book of Acts, I I just love, number one, God's sense of humor in the sense that God could have chosen the Pharisees or the Sadducees to, to grow the church because they probably had a whole lot more ability and knowledge and skill and understanding. But he took a bunch of ragtag everyday people, tax collectors and fishermen, and fishermen are not, they're not the cleanest guys most of the time, not the guys that you'd want to see with clean fingernails and praying for people, but yet they were the ones that did the building of the church, and so you have this ragtag bunch of God, Christ, that assembled together, poured into them, and then they begin to pour into others, and the multiplication just goes crazy, Uh, The other thing that I look, the thread that I hope you're seeing as you're reading through the book of Acts is unity, camaraderie, common vision, reaching for the same goal. As a church, if we can begin to focus on the same thing, souls, um, there's nothing that can hold us back. I'm going to get into more of that a little bit later, so let me leave that there. So let's look at the recipe. First of all, they devoted themselves to good teaching. Um, the first Christians were so hungry to learn and know um, about Christ that they were willing to literally go every single day and go get taught more and more. We have so many tools at our availability today. You are sitting under, and I'm not saying this because you my son, I listen to four preachers in this country that are world speakers. I actually work for one that speaks all over the world and is gone more than he's at church because he is in that much demand. But I listen to Kyle on a regular basis. You will not get any more spiritually fed under his teaching of any of the ones that I'm listening to. And I'm being honest and I'm not saying that because he is my son. He is far better than I am. Far better than I am. And and he continues. Yes, honor him for that. I don't know how he's doing it. I question it. I scratch my head. He continues to further his education with three kids and a church to pastor and all those things. And I'm like, okay. But he's doing it. And he because he cares about his mission, he cares about you being fed, he cares that you are growing and being developed. And so don't take that for granted. You have the opportunity right now to be part of what the world is looking for in a church pastor right now. Somebody that's young, has a growing family, that's vibrant, that has vision. Uh, trust me, I've been with churches that are old and dried, and they're old. old. My age are older, and I love people my age. I better, because I am one. <laughs> but you look around what you're seeing today. You see young, vibrant families with growing kids. This is what the world is looking for in church. You have that here don't take it for granted because it's not everywhere. You have probably have traveled to a few churches in your day. So anyway, let me leave that there. Here's why it's important. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that it may be growing up in salvation. But we can't live on milk. There's no first and second graders, I don't think. I'm a little detached from that. I don't think there's any first and second graders going to school with their milk, their baby bottles, are they? I think they're done with that now. They're on to the meat. They're on to the, the, the things that they need, the substance they need to grow and get stronger. First Timothy 4, 6 says that we should be nourished on the truths of faith and good teaching. The foundational things that we need, first of all, is biblical knowledge to grow. The Bible has everything that we need. Literally, every promise, every precept, every principle is there to help us grow. Every answer that we have for this life today, the answers are in our Bible. But let me take you one dimension even deeper. Even more importantly, it's important that that word becomes covenant between us and God, that we're in covenant with God. It's different than just reading, and, and God didn't just write a book full of promises for us. He didn't write just a book full of principles for us to follow by. He, brought, he gave us this word so that we would fall in covenant with him. And if we'll follow every single step, from the financial stuff all the way to the anxiety, and I take those on to- to- two totally different spectrums, God has the answer for everyone, but we fall in covenant with him, and we begin to submit ourselves to what he says in his word. He will take care of all of our problems and all our needs. The one thing that I want to leave you on this principle about being devoted to teaching is this. I've always known this, that hungry people will always gravitate where they're getting fed. That's why you see a growing church is because spiritual food is being given, and we are receiving it, and we grow from that. So don't take it for granted. So that's recipe number one is we have to have the word. Number two, fellowship. And this is kind of the where I felt like I wanted to land, and it's kind of weird, that you, but I'm trying to be my A. ADD self, where I have to keep everything in order as it comes in order. So I'm going to have to give you the, really the meat of where I want to go in, in number two. And, and I know this is one of your core values here at Fathom Church. It's koinonia. It's fellowship. It's fellowship. Fellowship translated is simply this if you haven't looked at it recently. It's association, communion, community, mutual participation. I repeat that, mutual participation and sharing. Don't get content just to come to church on Sunday. Slip in the back late, slide out early. Now, I used to know everybody in this church. I don't know everybody in this church. I still know all those that were here years ago, but there's so many new people. So I don't, I'm not judging you if, if you've been doing that, but I want to give you an illustration of why, why that is. Several months back, I, I, I get to all the problems at my church, and I had an email come in. It says, you know, I, I was in the hospital. Nobody ever called me. And um, she had listed her name on the bottom of the email. And I, I looked into our data system to see if I could find any trace where she had been. That's kind of what we do. We try to figure out, okay, how did we drop the ball in this? And, and I'm looking through the data system. There's no, there's no per, person of contact. I mean, there's no, no giving record. There's no dropping a kid off in a, in a kid's center. There's no ever being part of a connect group or we call them connect groups or, or any place where she's had a footprint on our churches, so I was really like, I don't know, so I started asking all of our staff, I said, do you know this person, and they said, never heard of them, so I said, well, let me give her a call, so I give her a call, I said, yeah, we, well, I had surgery, but you know, nobody ever called, and I says, well, I'm, I'm really sorry for that, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we take care of our people, and could you give me a little insight, yeah, I've been going to that church for about two years, I sit right in the back, and I slide in late, and I leave early, do you know anybody else's name that goes? She says, no, all I know is the pastor. Do you, anybody, an usher, a greeter? No, I don't know anybody. And I feel so bad for her because she misses what being part of the kingdom ministry is all about, is all of us together. Here's the second scenario. This past Wednesday, I'm off work, and that's about an hour for me to travel home because work in Tampa, live in Plant City, Beautiful down Plant City, and uh, so it's about an hour through all that traffic to get home. I get home, and it was cool that afternoon, so I said I'm going to jump in the hot tub. So it's about seven ish close. So I'm in the hot tub. Peggy says, "Oh, you got a you got a pretty urgent phone call." So okay, what is it? So I picked it up as one of our other pastors she says one of our girls that is a receptionist and kind of works in youth ministry had had a bad accident. She had got broadsided and and her and one of our interns were were being cut out of a vehicle. And uh, so I jumped out, I got my clothes on and I'm, I'm heading to Tampa and I'm texting back and forth as I go just trying to find out what I'm gonna find, what I'm gonna see and I'm thinking in my head, they're cutting right out of a car. Blood's gonna be everywhere. This is not gonna be good. Her family's in Texas. I'm probably more of a dad representation in her life than anybody so I've gotta be there so I get there right after they're there, and there Michaela is. She's sitting there in a wheelchair. Thank God, no blood on her. Uh, doesn't appear to have any broken bones, but her head's hurting. I mean, we, we're walking through this whole scenario. A couple of other staff members come in. Before you know it, there's about seven of us, and we're kind of s- standing around. The place was packed. The ambulance driver told them when they were calling for a hospital that every hospital in the area was so overrun with people that they said, this was your best one at Carolwood Advent Health. And so we're, we're there the place is covered up. There's not a place to sit. We literally are standing around, seven of us, around one wheelchair, waiting. And this lady comes wheeling out, and she pulls over beside us. She says, can I park here? I said, okay. Well, she like, she's right there. So she could hear every conversation going on, and we could hear her in her own way, talking to herself, I guess. And um, after a few minutes of listening to each other, I'm sure she looks up and she just kind of leans back in her wheelchair and she says, y'all sure got a pretty family. I don't have anybody. I don't even have anybody to come see me. I wish I had something like that. And it just hit me. And I'm, so I started looking specifically around each one of the people that were sitting there and they looked all be sitting alone. I'm thinking, wow, we're not her family. I don't even look like her. I couldn't even be her dad. I mean, it's like, her family wasn't even around, but it was her church family that was there. And, and that's the beauty of fellowship that we can pull together in times like this. You know, the military has this, um, I think it's the military, or maybe it's the Marines that have this thing, no no man left behind. And and under the military have a lot of that as well, where they protect each other and they make sure that they're going to take care of their own. They're going to be among their people and make sure that they're being taken care of. That's kind of what the church is to, not just us, but even people that are on the fringe. Because these are the things that we have in common. Number one, we share in the same Lord Jesus. We share the same guide for our life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. And we share the same job of simply living for him. Do you agree with me? Would you take a second and look to your neighbor and say, I got your back? Would you do that? Look to your second choice and say, I got your back. As a church, we have to have each other's back. So the first thing we have to do is we have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The second thing we have to do is we have to find ourselves devoted to the fellowship of the church. And this third thing we have to do is something that we, have all, we do every single week here at Fathom Church, and it's really refreshing to me. It, it is different. I know, um, was it Jason? Who? Andrew. When Andrew came up, did a beautiful job. Andrew, wherever you're at, awesome job. You just made my job easier on this portion. Um, communion. This is the part where you break bread Uh, And why do we do it? Why do you do it every single week? I think it was very much illustrated there. I think the big thing for me is when you keep the main thing in the forefront, it's hard to lose your focus on what you're doing it for, right? God's, Christ's body was broken, his blood was poured out, and we never want to forget that because it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life and all the things that are going on and forget You ever done a task and then you get to the end of it, he says, What were we doing again? Why were we doing that? So it kind of gives you the why behind the what we are doing. And so, devoting ourselves to breaking the bread, but keeping the priority the priority. Um, The fourth part of the recipe is prayer. And I'm going to kind of tie in my clothes with prayer uh, in, in this sense because. I want to read you a couple passages of Scripture, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. John 14, 13, 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Prayer, so underused, but so needed and powerful for each one of us in every single one of our lives. You know, um, the musicians can come if you you like. Um, There's three things I want to share. And I know Pastor Kyle has probably spoken on prayer so many times. I'm I'm just sure that's just kind of what you do. You teach how to do that. But um, number one, you have to have a certain time. You say, well, I'm struggling with prayer. Do you have a specific time where you pray every day? I know with Jesus, it's early in the morning. For me, it's early in the morning. For others, you may not be a morning person. My wife, Peggy, she doesn't want me to even talk to her in the morning. It's a pat on the back. It's a hug. That's it. Much less talk to God. She will then, once she gets everything, the coffee and all that other stuff taken care of, then she will sit down and she'll spend time with the Lord, quality time with the Lord. So you have to have a certain time. You have to have a certain place. Everybody's different. Some people need to walk and move and I'm a walker. If I sit there, I can't help my mind just start getting on the list of things i got to get done because I'm a to-doer. And some people need to do whatever they do to get to a certain place where they can meet with God. Let that be a sacred place where you meet with God on a regular basis. Number three, have a certain plan, a plan in which you're going to use as you're going to pray. You know, there's there's an old thing, and this is not in my notes, and I don't have anything to show you, but you since we're in the book of Acts, we can use Acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Just take time to adore God. Thank Him for who He is in our life. Confess anything that we have going on in our life that we need to, to bring before Him. Nobody's perfect here, right? All of us, have, even if it's just talking to our spouses harshly or the way we react or what we do, check ourselves. We confess those things to Christ and ask him to help us to get better at that. Thank Christ for all that he's done in our life. And this supplication when we really just pour our hearts out on the deepest of deep needs that He that we need answers to, knowing that God's not going to always answer all of those things. In closing, I want to kind of tie prayer into what happened this past week and go jags, right? I was one of those that stayed up with these guys till 12 o'clock, just like I stayed up New Year's Eve night. I guess they call it New Year's night. I don't know what they call it, to watch that Georgia game. It's like I don't ever step that late anymore. I am getting old. Uh, I, I watched the replay later. Um, but I don't know if you saw Monday Night Football with uh, DeMar Hamlin. Um, man, nothing is shaking me. Uh, You know, I was an old football coach, and I'm very attached to what happens on the field and those players, and I have seen so many injuries in my life. Never have I ever seen something like that, and it startled me. And I don't usually get startled by stuff like that. But what but what what really startled me was the events that took place starting at that moment when he fell to what we have seen now even last night in that game. Um, How God will take prayer and he'll answer those prayers and the whole world is watching. When you couldn't even take a knee or a coach couldn't even say a prayer in a stadium, but now I dare you to say something about it. Um, It's crazy how things change, right? How God can use that. I also have watched a lot of social media and stuff on this particular thing. Because number one, I was, I don't want this to ever happen to my kids or, you know, how, how possible is this to happen to somebody else? I've been very concerned about watching what happened to DeMar. And I watched one video prior to him, and it, it, he talked about his relationship with Christ and how he valued every moment. He never knew when it would end. Just weeks later, he's unconscious, and they're giving him, trying to bring him back to life. And we know Christ is the one that brings you back to life. He gives us tools to do that. And and then I watched as Dan Orlowski gets on ESPN radio, one of the most liberal stations in the country, and prays a beautiful prayer. shows you the power of prayer and then I I listen to Benjamin Watson on CNN of all stations talk about you know what this event has done it's brought us to something number one where will we spend eternity I guess it could happen just like that It's one thing when you're an older person and you pass away, but when you're a supreme athlete and you go like that, it can happen to any of us. But then I was captivated when DeMar wrote, because he couldn't speak because he had tubes in his mouth, when he comes awake and he writes... and his opposing team didn't care. But the first thing he wanted to know is, did we win? And what did the doctors say? You won the game of life. He sure did. So as being a pastor and pastoring people, and the first thing that comes to my mind was, when we get to heaven and we wake up from that passing from this life to the next, And we come to, are we going to say, did I make it? Are we going to say, did we win? Because. I don't want to be in heaven my myself. I can never be on the show alone. The show alone. I don't care if they give you a million dollars; they can keep it. I don't want to spend my life alone. I don't want to spend eternity alone. I don't see any one of you not making it to heaven. I love coming to this place. I want to see every single one of us be there. When I wake up, I want to say, "Did we win? Are they here? Where are they at?" That's what I want to be part of. Here's the last thing I want to share with you, and I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. We're called not just to go to church. We're called to be the church. I know you've heard this many, many times. But we can't do life alone. It's hard enough, and it's not about... Me and my four, no more. It's about we need to be in relationship with each other, and I want to challenge you. And I have something I want us to pray about in a minute, but I want to challenge you. Number one, is your heart right with the Lord? Is there anything that we spoke about today that the Lord's challenged you on? Being more devoted to the Scriptures, being more faithful. Are you serving? Does people know your name here? Do you know people's name here? Or is Pastor Carl going to come to the hospital time because you're somehow been found out that you're there and that nobody knows you and you're there alone? Such a miserable place to be. We can't do life alone. So what I want to challenge you today is maybe get in groups of three, two or three, four. It doesn't matter. I'm not like big on the detail, but just around where you are. Just just breathe. God's challenged me in prayer. I need to be more about prayer. I see this week with what's happened, how important prayer is. Or I need to be more intentional about relationship building. I'm going to sign up for that event Friday. I wish I could come and eat a steak with you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get food off my mind. Or go eat desserts with the ladies what is God saying to you? Maybe it's just get myself together. Let God begin to wash me and cleanse me and get me in a place. You don't need to clean up to come to this church. We're not called to be the cleaners of the fish. We're here to catch the fish. I don't mean to call you fish. Sorry. Can we do that for just a moment? Just two or three, four, however it is for you. Just reach over what the Lord is challenging you today through what you've heard. And I'm gonna pray a general prayer as you do that. Lord, today we thank you for your goodness. And I pray that as they begin to articulate what they're struggling with and the hurts that they have. Lord, thank you that we realize prayer makes a difference. And now the world is taking notice. Even if it had to be done in the way that we never would have thought be possible, Lord, you've opened the door and you've given us the ability to be able to see it with our own eyes. Lord, our faith has grown. We've become stronger in what we have been part of. Lord, and I thank you for those people that are in places of authority and notoriety that have been able to speak out boldly. Confidence and you use them, Lord. And I pray that that doesn't stop. That even though Damar may get back into what he's doing, Lord, I just pray that you would help us ever to realize the importance of how we can be part of prayer. Jesus' name.
0: Sometimes a sermon leaves you just wanting a little more. If this message has stirred a hunger to go deeper in God's word, and you want to learn more about this teaching and how to practically apply it to your everyday walk, make sure to subscribe to our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. There you're going to find some great conversations between Next Steps director, Christina Scott, along with Pastor Kyle or another leader or guest speaker. We'll link it in the show notes for you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or feel led to recommit your life to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're ready to join a group or a serve team or even to request prayer for all of these things, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you tune in again soon.